Amen. So praise the Lord for that. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 23, uh, today or tomorrow, I believe, is the last day of the popcorn fundraiser for the teenagers. Uh, if you have any questions about it, see them and they can uh, they can give you their code and, and you can get on there. Uh, thank you for the many that have responded. Brother Rob's been quite excited about that. Evidently, our church likes popcorn and uh, several teenagers have already got their entire way to camp paid for. Uh, and I appreciate them being willing to, to work at this, and thank you for helping them with that. Uh, again, tomorrow night at 6.30 is the Christmas uh, program from Heritage Baptist Academy. Uh, it will be live-streamed. You're welcome to come and be a part of that. Uh, please pray and ask the Lord to, to work and to bless in that. Uh, there'll be some soul-winning opportunities this coming Saturday uh, at 10 o'clock. Please join us as we go out and try to reach people with the gospel. Uh, Sunday school teachers, if for, for example, you may have been out of town on Sunday, your new lessons are on the office counter, make sure you pick those up. Uh, a week from Sunday is Christmas Eve, and uh, we're looking forward to a great day. Uh, the Sunday evening service will be our, our candlelight service. It's going to start at 5 o'clock rather than 6. We'll keep trying to hammer that number in. Uh, I'm a creature of habit, and so I, I usually show up at the normal time. But this time you want to be early, 5 o'clock. Uh, we did that just because many folks have, a, have some Christmas Eve traditions. Um, and so we wanted to uh, have the, uh, the service I don't cancel services for holidays, especially Christmas. It's like, hey, Jesus, it's your birthday. Uh, we'll come back later. We're going to somebody else's house. Uh, we don't do that here. Uh, but at the same time, we, we want you to be able to uh, enjoy your celebration. So please join us. Bring someone with you. Uh, we're looking for a wonderful time. A week later will be New Year's Eve, and we'll have our New Year's Eve service. Uh, it's flannel night, so we get to wear flannel shirts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, make your, your favorite chili, some homemade bread. We'll have some judging going on, some awards going out. Uh, Mike, you are a target for the spiciest uh, chili or the hottest chili or whatever. There are people that are trying to take you down. Uh, so, yeah, I'm seeing the look in his face. It's like, I don't even want to get near his thing of chili. I might explode into flames. Uh, and then, we'll, of course, we'll sadly tear down the Christmas decorations. They've looked really beautiful this year uh, and get things started, uh, setting things up for the new year. Um, and at some point, when all of that's done, we'll set up the volleyball net, and those that would like to play will have some uh, fun and fellowship, and uh, we'll last as long as we can. I'm thinking 7.30, something like that. Uh, no, we'll stay here for a while, and uh, so I hope you'll come and plan to be a part of it. And then the first Sunday of January, uh, January the 7th, is going to be Vision Sunday. Hi, hi Charity. I just thought she, she wanted us to notice her. So um, uh, Vision Sunday, uh, the staff and I, the guys, we've been praying over some things. And since COVID, we've, uh, like most churches, been, been putting things back together and, and so forth. And I, I feel like we're maintaining, but we're not called to maintain. We're called to go forward always. And uh, so we got some exciting things, uh, I believe, uh, some important things that are planned. Uh, for 2024, and I want to start talking about them now, but then Vision Sunday will lose some of its impact, so we're going to wait on that. And uh, so if you found Acts chapter 23, are you there yet? Okay. Uh, if you've been around the last few weeks, uh, you'll notice that I've actually covered uh, several chapters with, uh, of the book of Acts over the last two or three weeks, which for me is sort of a record. 
Um, and uh, so uh, I, I just want to give you the heads up tonight. I hope to do one verse. I hope to do one verse, but it's important. It's important. Um, it, it is something that uh, the Lord just drew my attention to in personal study as well, well as study for this series. And uh, so I, I hope you'll uh, bear with me on this. Before we uh, pick up in the book of Acts where we left off, can I ask you to turn to the book of Romans, please? And we're going to start at Romans chapter 9. It is believed that Paul wrote the epistle of Romans while he was in the city of Corinth. And uh, so uh, at that time, he was a free man. Um, and, you know, the imprisonment hadn't started yet. And uh, he was writing to the Romans. He, he let them know, I've longed to come to see you. So far, the Lord has not allowed that. Uh, but throughout the book of Romans, he, he shares his burden for lost people, especially his people, the Jewish people. Uh, Brother Pat and I had a brief conversation before church tonight, and he didn't know where I was going with the study. But he's been reading the letters of Paul and just, uh, we, we're both astounded at number one, how much that man loved the Lord. There was just nothing God would ask of him that Paul would say no to. He, he loved the Lord with a depth that makes me feel shallow. And secondly, how much he loved to see people get saved. He, he lived for that, especially his people. Romans chapter 9, Paul writes in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. We often say we carry a burden for people. I have someone I'm thinking of right now. Uh, you might even be able to guess who it is. I have a tremendous burden to see that young man get saved. Um, I cry over him as I pray for him. I want to see him get saved. Paul was beyond that type of burden and feeling. He said, if I could lose my salvation in order for them to be saved, if I could die and go to hell in their place, I would do it. I want them to be saved that badly, that deeply. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know that I've ever carried a burden that deep for somebody to get saved, but Paul did. Look at the next chapter, please. Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is only ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul's people, the Jewish people, had lost sight of that, and they thought that, that uh, salvation was earned by their own righteousness, their own good works, uh, and so forth. And he says they just don't understand. And again, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. In our journey through the book of Acts, we've watched Paul as he left the city of Ephesus. He did a brief return through Macedonia and Achaia. Then he went back again, uh, going down the coastline, revisiting some of the churches that he had started. And then he was on his way to Jerusalem. Everywhere he went on that last leg of his journey, 
the Holy Spirit sent somebody to warn him and tell him that, that when he got to Jerusalem, he, he said it to the Ephesian elders, bonds and afflictions abide me. They're waiting for me. But Paul could not be deterred. He was bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. He had, he had this dear hope that, uh, that the people would, would at last be receptive to the word of the gospel. He might be able to share Christ uh, with his own people. And so we saw that he, uh, he finally got to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 21. And uh, uh, he entered a, a Jewish vow because James, the pastor of the church there, thought it might quell some rumors about him, uh, that he was anti-Jew, he was anti-temple and, and all of those things. And Paul went along with that, uh, trying to make peace, trying to do the right thing, but it all blew up. It all blew up. Uh, there were some people there from Ephesus, some Jewish people in the temple that recognized him. They stirred up a riot in uh, saying this man uh, preaches against our people, against the law, against the temple. And uh, man, a riot ensued. Uh, pretty soon word reached out through the city of Jerusalem and people came from every quarter. And uh, it looked like Paul was going to be ripped to pieces there in the temple complex. They were so, so uh, zealous, if you will, uh, in their pursuit. And most of them had no idea what the riot was about. They just heard there was a hubbub, uh, something going on, and they came and they saw all this stuff going on, so they just joined in. But often in the corner of the temple complex was the Tower of Antonia. That's where the Roman garrison was situated so that they could look out over the city of Jerusalem, and if there was any problems anywhere, the chief captain could dispatch soldiers in a, in a moment uh, to go deal with the issue. And so they sent several hundred soldiers uh, with their centurions into this massive temple courtyard. And there they went to the center of everything and they found Paul. He was beaten, uh, probably beaten badly. And fearing lest they should tear him to pieces, they got him uh, away from there. They brought him to the Tower of Antonia and they're climbing up the stairs uh, into this tower and Paul politely asked the chief captain, may I speak with the people? Um, the captain thought Paul was some kind of a, uh, of a zealot, uh, uh, an Egyptian who was a leader of a group of a bunch of, of, of assassins uh, and so forth. And Paul said, no, I'm a Jew. Uh, I'm from the city of Tarsus in the region of Cilicia and so forth. Just let me speak to the people. Paul was polite and kind and the chief captain, for whatever reason, allowed him to. And Paul finally had his chance to share Christ with that multitude down below. Now remember in Acts chapter 2, in that same place, that same temple courtyard, Peter stood up and preached the sermon in Acts 2. And the response of the people was, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter pulled no punches. He talked to them about Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Messiah. He said, whom ye have wickedly, wickedly taken and crucified. He put the blame squarely on their head, but they were receptive 
to the message of the gospel. And that day, 3,000 in that same courtyard believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, followed the Lord and believers' baptism, and were added to the church. And from that point on, Acts 2 ends in daily. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In Acts chapter 3, in that same, in that same place, Peter and John came in at the hour of prayer uh, to, to join with everyone. It was, it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A lame man was healed. Uh, Peter preached the gospel uh, to them, and we know that another 4,000 Jewish men got saved in that same place. I can see in Paul's mind, he's had this burden. He wrote about it in Corinth years earlier. And, and, he, and, and we're reading about it centuries and millennia later. He's got this burden. He's been bound in the spirit. And as a preacher, I can see Paul hoping and praying that there's going to be another Pentecost. Not the speaking in tongues, but another harvest of, of his people trusting Jesus as their Messiah. So in Acts chapter 22... He, he proclaimed his message. He shared his testimony with them and told how he had, he had gotten saved. And uh, when he got to the point that the Lord Jesus appeared to him and said, I want you to go and I want you to, if you will, preach the gospel to the Gentiles. The crowd that had at one moment been in a riot. And when Paul beckoned with his hands, the Bible says they became silent. And they listened to the sermon to that point and they went nuts. There was no men and brethren. What shall we do? Tell us how to get saved. They went crazy. Away with this man. It is not fit that he should live. And, and uh, another riot broke out and the chief captain just took Paul in. He was going to beat him thinking that because uh, he didn't understand the sermon. It was, it was preached in Hebrew. And he, he was a Roman, probably didn't understand it. And that's when Paul revealed, I'm a Roman citizen. It's against Roman law to, to do this to a Roman citizen. So instead, they just kept him in, in, the, in the castle overnight. He was, he was kept in chains. By the way, Paul will never be a free man ever again. The next morning, the captain commanded the, the high priest and what we know as the Sanhedrin, the ruling elders of Israel, to come to the castle of Antonia and uh, uh, just bring your charges, bring your grievances. He was going to try to hear it and solve things. And uh, Paul started to speak. Uh, he was kind to them, and the high priest didn't like what he was saying from the get-go, commanded someone to punch him in the mouth, and, uh, and Paul reacted. It's one of the few times we see Paul maybe getting in the flesh just a little bit, and he, he, he called him a whited wall and said, how dare you uh, who proclaim that you love the law and defend the law to have me smitten contrary to the law? And someone standing by said, do you, do you dare to speak to the high priest so? Now, Paul was right in what he said, but he realized that was the high priest. And even though the high priest was a wicked man, we talked about Ananias a bit last week, he still held the office. And Paul said, I didn't know he was the high priest. I shouldn't have done that because the scriptures say that you shall not speak evil of your ruler. Paul took the high road. He took the Bible road. And uh, he, he uh, saw that there, there was just a tension in the air. And he saw that these people over here, they were Pharisees. And people over here were Sadducees. Uh, all Jews, but they took a different uh, slant on, on uh, their, their own faith. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, they believed when you're dead, you're dead. 
They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the spirit. And the Pharisees confessed all of those. Pharisees were closer to Bible believers than the Sadducees were. So Paul just for whatever reason declared, I'm a Pharisee and I'm the son of a Pharisee. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody on this side said, you know, I think we ought to let this guy alone. Uh, and the Sadducees, you know, let's kill this guy. They didn't want anything to do with it. And they started fighting again. And Paul got caught in the middle. And, and uh, they're saying away with him. They wanted, they, they wanted uh, nothing to do with it. Verse 10 of chapter 23, when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. You understand that all of Paul's hopes that we kind of assume that he had, maybe another Pentecost, his brethren getting saved. We read the verses in Roman. We know his heart. Do you understand his hopes are dashed? None of it turned out the, the way he had hoped. Now, he already knew from the Holy Spirit that bonds and afflictions were awaiting him in Jerusalem. He had no idea how that was going to happen. He had no idea that on Pentecost, that crowd in that temple square were so receptive to the gospel, but it seemed like there was nobody left to do that. The only ones left rejected the gospel. How his heart must have been broken, how it must have been sad. For a man whose heart's desire was that they should be saved, this violent response had to have been personally traumatic for him. As a preacher, I'm very good at second-guessing myself, wondering, was, was, was that the right thing? Did I do that the right way? And sometimes I can be obsessive to the point of not being healthy. I wonder sometimes if Paul was that way. I wonder if that night in the prison, Paul was second-guessing that whole vow. You know, if I hadn't taken the vow, I wouldn't have been in there. They wouldn't have misunderstood. I would have just been with the brethren, and maybe it wouldn't have turned out this way if I hadn't been there. Maybe he was wondering, where's James? Where are the other Christians? Where are the other believers? There's, none of them were there. Where were the four men that, that were believers that had taken this vow and this vow? Where were they in all of this? He's abandoned. He's forsaken by everybody that he thought would be there to take his side. Maybe he's reconsidering his words. Maybe if I'd have just said it differently. Maybe if I'd have just left out the part about the, being an apostle to the Gentiles and all of that. And maybe he's even second-guessing the conviction of his heart. He said, I'm bound in the spirit to go on to Jerusalem. D did I read you wrong, God? You know, sometimes when things go wrong, we start doing that. Does anybody here do that? I, 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 do, I do that a lot. That brings us to our text for tonight. And the night following, the Lord stood by him. I have that phrase highlighted in yellow in my Bible. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. We're going to look at this verse and look at a few others tonight. But as I look at verse 11 and I see the words of the Lord Jesus, he did not see Paul as a failure. Paul did exactly what he was called to do. He was a witness for Jesus Christ. We can't make anybody be saved. Boy, if we could, we would. Um, tomorrow night, this room would be full. And I understand that for many of the people that are coming in tomorrow night, 
They'll hear the message of the Christmas story through the, the, the lives of little children and teenagers and so forth. They'll hear a brief message in a presentation of the gospel, but for many of them, it's brand new, and they'll be like a calf looking at a new gate. And they're not going to understand. Boy, if I could, I, I would dearly love to make them get saved, but I can't. All I can do is be a witness to them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many follow that? Do you understand the, the Savior had no reprimands for Paul? He's not saying, hey, you did it wrong. Buddy, if you'd have just calmed down a little bit. But Paul, why in the world did you take that? He didn't do that. He said, you testified of me at Jerusalem. Now I want you to go do the same thing in Rome. Do you understand the Lord was pleased with him? And it's such a difficult hour in Paul's life. And the night following, the Lord stood by him. There were at least four times in Paul's life recorded in the scripture where you see a similar statement about the Lord coming and standing by him. I've used the illustration ad nauseum about how sometimes when I'm doing certain moves at, 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 at my training, I'll hear Sam's voice from the side or behind me saying, I'm right here, I'm right here. And, and how it, it, it just sort of helps me calm down. It, it helps me be a little more secure in my thought process as I work through the move. I want you to understand, Paul doesn't have his trainer standing behind him. He doesn't have Peter, James, or John stand behind him, he has, or beside him. He has the Lord himself. He said, and the Lord stood by him. I, I don't know if the Lord appeared to him. I, I don't know if there was a vision. I don't know if there was a voice from heaven. I have no idea. All we know is the Lord stood by him. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18 This first time that we see that type of situation with Paul. This is where Paul is in Corinth. And he's going he's gonna to stay there for a year and a half or so, which up to that point in time was the longest time he stayed at any church. As always, Paul went to the synagogue. And that's where he started proclaiming the gospel. And boy, that didn't go well. Verse six, when they, that's the people, the Jews of the synagogue, opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. You understand his own people rejected the message. He had been sharing Christ in the synagogue and, and they're, they're going nuts. They're, they're even blaspheming the name of God himself. And, and Paul realizes it's done here. They don't want it. He said, from now on, I'm just going to go to the Gentiles. Um, we'll skip down to verse number nine. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Paul had just scratched the surface of a ministry there. He saw a few people get saved. Even in that synagogue, the chief ruler, a man named Crispus, trusted Christ as his Savior, as his Messiah. But by and large, his ministry has not borne a lot of fruit there, but it's, it's raised a lot of controversy and a lot of strife. And for a man whose love is to see his Jewish people saved, this had to have been heartbreaking. And the Lord appeared that night and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stay at peace. I'm right here. I want you to understand, I have a lot of people in this city. Do you know God knows who wants to be saved? God knows who's searching. 
Uh, we don't, so that's why we have to share the gospel with everybody. But you'd be surprised if you will take that burden on yourself and that ministry as the Bible teaches us to do. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people really are searching. You'd be surprised where they're at. There are men in prison that are searching for a new way of life. Am I correct, gentlemen? We have some guys that are going into the prisons uh, these days. And you might be surprised at who, who's going to listen to the message uh, because they've reached rock bottom and they know they need help and hope. Uh, it, it might be somebody standing on the street corner with a uh, help me, I'm homeless sign. Uh, it might be somebody whose door you knock on. You never know where it's going to be. It might be your coworker. It might be somebody you witnessed to and they turned you down and maybe turned you down flat and hard. Um, who, when they go through a crisis, they're going to call your name because they know that you know something they need. Uh, fear not, Paul. And the Lord came to him at that time. It's such a hard time, such a time of rejection saying, Paul, you haven't even started yet. I've got a lot of people in this city that are going to get saved. Now, we know from later events that the church at Corinth went through some difficult times. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he writes to them about how they came behind in no spiritual gift. Uh, that, that they had some tremendous usability by the Lord. And there was a day that church uh, was reaching multitudes for Christ. There are times we're going to try to serve the Lord and it doesn't seem like it worked. Doesn't seem like we got the results we wanted. Those are the times we need to realize uh, the results are up to God. The faithfulness is up to us. The first Sunday we had our little church in Pennsylvania that we started in, in October, the last Sunday of October in 1991. Uh, we had hopes of some 35 or 45 people joining us for that service. We'd been busy working day and night, knocking on doors. Uh, the week prior, I had knocked on 1,500 doors uh, eight, 10 hours a day, passing out flyers. We'd won people to Christ. The day before I went uh, back around and talked to people and they, they all said they were gonna come and when all was said and done, none of them came. None of them came. We had 45 chairs set up and nobody came except my little family and Trina was with Sarah and Anna. They were both in the nursery um, and uh, my dad and the lady he was dating and her son came and they were members of another church uh, and they just came for moral support and that was it. That was it. And I was, I was defeated. I, I, I couldn't understand it. Uh, I was trying to figure out what did I do wrong or what didn't I do right and so forth. And that afternoon, uh, you know, I took Trina and the kids home and I went back down to that little church building and I just prayed and cried and poured my heart out to God. I wanted to quit. I was discouraged. I thought I'm a failure and all of that. And um, the Lord didn't speak to me in a vision. The Lord didn't speak to me, uh, you know, in thunder or anything like that. But there's this still small voice by which God speaks to our heart. And God brought some scriptures to mind and, and reminded me it's, it's only the beginning. And God just called me to be faithful. And that's it. And uh, so I, I got my, my heart restored and my hope restored, went home and uh, talked to Trina. And, and we tried to encourage each other. We went back for service Sunday night and, and we still had eight. Uh, we had one lady that came in the morning, came back and brought two people with her. Um, and that was our start. But we had this, we knew God called us there and we knew we were supposed to do this and it seemed so hard and there was the Lord standing by us. Fast forward six years later from that very Sunday, 
we had our sixth anniversary, God gave us a building of our very own. Um, and on that Sunday, we had 226 people in church. Our auditorium was jammed full. People were standing along the walls out in the little lobby here. The back door was open. People were standing back there. Um, and all I could think of on that day is, boy, I'm glad I didn't quit on the first day. The Lord stood by Paul at a very, very discouraging time in his ministry and said, don't worry about a thing. I'm here. I've got a lot of people in this city. You just stay faithful. We looked at Acts chapter 23 uh, uh, as the, uh, the Sanhedrin rejected the word of the gospel. He's beaten. He feels like a failure and uh, everything's turned against him. And again, in verse 11, be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Sometimes we wonder, is God done with me? Is this it? But there's always a next step. Just stay faithful. And Paul, at a dark time, number two, he finds there's the Savior, the Lord come, came to him. Chapter 27, chapter 27. This is the final leg of Paul's journey to Rome and they are on a ship headed uh, to the Italian peninsula and you know the story. They were caught in a terrible storm that was given a name in verse two. They called it Eurachlodon. Uh, we name hurricanes and, and cyclones and things like that. Evidently, that's nothing new. They did that way back in ancient times. And um, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now he's in a storm. Now he's in a storm. That, the, that phrase, I have it underlined in my Bible, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt that there was no hope. There was no hope. There was no tomorrow. I've been there once. I've been there once. Um, and that was when I first got sick in North Carolina and it dawned on me that I wasn't going home. And all hope was taken away. I later learned the doctors told my wife and told the family that had been called to come in that uh, none of the medications were working, uh, that the pneumonia was at such an advanced state at that point that uh, it was just a matter of time and I was gone. All hope was taken away. So Paul's on this ship. I was on a, on a ship in a storm when you sent us to Alaska for a cruise for our, I think it was our 20th wedding anniversary. And one of our last nights on board the ship, there was a, a, a wicked storm. The captain the next day said, uh, this is the worst storm at sea that I've been on in years and years. We, we missed our last port of call entirely uh, because of it. And this massive ship just being tossed to and fro and people trying to walk through the, the hallways and just being slammed from side to side if they weren't holding on a railing. And uh, most of the ship, the, the, the passengers were seasick. They were handing out Dramamine uh, like candy. Instead of going to the clinic, they just said, go to the main desk in the, in the grand, grand hallway. And they were just you know, throwing out packages of Dramamine. And uh, Trina was sick and in the cabin. And, and a few of us, we thought it was cool. We're outside taking pictures and trying to take video and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, we were on a big ship in modern days and all of those things. But Paul was on a 
Roman ship in ancient times and they had no way of communicating with anybody to send out an SOS. Uh, they've lightened the ship and as far as they, as far as they know, uh, they're all gonna die. They're all gonna die. Look, if you would please, in verse 21. But after long abstinence, meaning they had not eaten, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and he said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed and to have gained this harm and loss. He did tell them that before they started this voyage. And he somehow just couldn't resist an I told you so moment. He said, you really should have listened to me. He said, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Wait a minute, all hope that they should be saved is taken away. He says, be of good cheer. And here's why, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. And here it is. For there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am, in whom I serve. I don't think he's talking about Gabriel or Michael or any such thing. He didn't worship or serve and he didn't belong to an angel. It's talking about Jesus Christ, who in the Old Testament often appeared under the title, the angel of the Lord. Um, there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even, it was, even as it was told me. So he was rejected in the synagogue in Acts 18, and the Lord appeared unto him at night, saying, I'm not done here. I have much people in the city. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. I'm right here. He was beaten by the Sanhedrin, and the Lord appeared to him, and, and he was battered and bruised and discouraged and, and, and undoubtedly questioning everything. And the Lord said, I'm right here. You did a good job, Paul. You've testified of me at, at Jerusalem. Now I want you to do the same thing in Rome. And now, in that hopeless moment in the storm, there's the Lord. There's never going to be a storm or a trial that you and I go through where he is not there. He is not a fair weather friend who's only ours when uh, everything's going our way. Uh, he, is a, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He, is, he hath promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Paul found the Lord in, in that hopeless storm and the Lord appeared to him and it changed everything. Once he knew that, hope was renewed. And he wasn't sure how much longer they were gonna endure it. He wasn't quite sure how they're gonna get to land. All he knew is God said, I'm here. I'm not done with you yet. And, and Paul took courage in that and it was infectious and they all had something to eat. And by the next day, uh, the, ship, the ship had wrecked and they were stranded on an island and found the people that lived there were kind people, took care of them, fed them, and they got to stay there until uh, the, the seasons changed and they could finish that journey. Look one last time, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the end of his life. Familiar passage of scripture to us. Much of it may be committed to memory by some of you. Paul says in verse number six, he's writing to Timothy, his young protege, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Some believe that Paul knew that a date of execution had been set for him and that he knew it. Others just believe that he, he knew maybe the Lord let him know it, it's soon, but he said the time of my departure is at hand. We're all going to face that time. You do know it. It may come with or without warning. That's why you need to be ready now. You need to be ready to meet the Lord. 
If you're not saved, you need to be ready now because you may not find the end of your days to be, be such where you're going to have lots of time to consider it and make the decision. It might come just like that. Um, if you're saved, um, you say, someday I'm going to live for God. Someday I'm going to get right with God. Someday I'm going to stop being like this. Um, you may not get the chance to have a, such a someday. You better take care of it now. Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. There's nothing left for me to, 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 to do. I've done everything that God wanted me to do. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What a testimony. I mentioned Pastor Clarence Sexton who went home to be with the Lord last night. Uh, anybody here ever met him? Anybody ever meet him? Okay, I'm, I'm the only one here. You, you met him? Okay, uh, an, an incredible, incredible, I'll be honest, knowing what I know about him and his testimony, I, I think he could say the same thing in verse seven. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Um, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Paul seems to be ending on a high note. He, he's encouraged. He's hopeful. And then it, his... His uh, mood changes. Verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Demas was his companion in the ministry. He's mentioned in Colossians, in Philemon. He's forsaken me. He's gone out into the world. He's departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to, to Galatia, uh, Titus unto Dalmatia. And not all these men backslid. They just all left and they're, they're serving the Lord elsewhere. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. And bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. Many believe he's referring to the scriptures. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also. For he hath greatly withstood our words. Timothy's in Ephesus, and we think Alexander was there. And we don't, we don't know if he was a church member or outside the church, but he did a lot of evil. And Paul's warning Timothy, be careful. Now look at verse 16. At my first answer, he's referring the first time I stood in front of Nero because that's who he'd appealed to. Um, and that's, that's where uh, uh, he was bound to go. At my first answer, no man stood with me. Just like Jerusalem, James was nowhere to be found. The other Christians in the church of Jerusalem, the four men Paul took a vow with, they're gone. Same thing happened that day. No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. That includes Dr. Luke. Luke was his companion through much of the book of Acts and, and, and all the way to this point. Luke came back, but on that day, Luke was nowhere to be found. By the way, don't criticize him. Don't say, what a terrible Christian that would be. We have no idea what we would do if that was us. We, we got to be careful. All men forsook me. I pray God that it may, may not be laid to their charge. Paul still had an understanding heart. It had to have hurt him. He won many of those people to Christ. He discipled them. He was there for them. But when he needed them, they were nowhere to be found. But he still said, I, I'm just asking God to forgive them. 
Look at verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. I think that, that's referring to Nero and not a, lit, a literal uh, animal. Look again, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear. Keep your place here, Philippians 1, and we're done. It's 8.04, so I'm still a tad early. I'm gonna be done in just another minute or so. I refer to this text often. I take it to heart. It, it encourages me. Paul's writing from prison, the same prison he wrote 2 Timothy from. He's writing to the church at Philippi. Um, that's where he got thrown in prison. They had the earthquake and all that kind of stuff. And the Philippians loved him. They'd supported him, if you will, as a missionary from the, the very first day that they knew him. Paul writes now but I, in verse 12, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, remember everybody forsook him on his first answer, something's changed. They watched him. God, remember, God strengthened him and he was able to preach the gospel to Nero. Many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. If he can do that and he's a prisoner, I'm a free person. Surely I can speak. Their waxing confidence are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. There are people making fun of it and, and everything that I'm preaching. Some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So we see in Acts 18, he's rejected in the synagogue, thinking he's a failure in Corinth, and the Lord stood by him that night and said, I'm here, be at peace, I'm not done, I have much people in this city. He was in Acts 23, beaten by the Sanhedrin, He's left in a prison cell in the, the Roman tower and the Lord appears and says, I'm here. You did a good job. You testified of me here in Jerusalem. Now I'm gonna have you go to Rome and do the same thing there. In Acts 27, he's hopeless in that storm and the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm not done with you yet. I'm bigger than this storm. I'm gonna see you through and I'm gonna use you some more. And in 2 Timothy, he knew that heaven was just a, breath away for him. He was forsaken though at the seat of Nero's power, but the Lord stood by him and strengthened him and God used him in such a way. Nero didn't get saved, but some Christians listening to him uh, that heard about him, man, they got, they got on fire and started talking about Jesus. And uh, undoubtedly some people there got saved. We know a one prisoner of his got saved. Does anybody know his name? One of the prisoners of Paul in, fellow prisoners of Paul in Rome got saved. Anybody know his name? Onesimus got saved. Um, here's a man that in the darkest moments of his life, he found out that the Lord is right there. Turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Possibly the most famous chapter in the Bible 
Psalm 23. Many people read it and even recite it without knowing what it's all about. Verse number four, we know this is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Read the next few words with me, church, ready? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou art with me. I'm not the apostle Paul, but I am one of his, the Lord's sheep, and he is my shepherd. So I can, I can take the same comfort that Paul got knowing that the Lord is with me. Psalm 34, last verse, and we're done. We sing this. If we had a piano player, we'd close singing it tonight, but I'm not gonna have you bear with me trying to start at acapella. Verse six, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Whether you're discouraged because things haven't worked out the way you thought they should, whether you're in the middle of a storm, maybe you're feeling like you're all alone in your school or your workplace, would you take comfort in the fact that the same God who stood with Paul in his darkest moments stands with you and he's not going anywhere. So take hope in that. Fear thou not, the Lord said, for I am with thee. Can we close in prayer? Father?